Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. What's up, everybody? Good Thursday morning to you. And finally, we're here. Football season for the... So this is the second one, right? Or the third one. The uh, official start of the football season. So we had SEC Media Days. That was the unofficial start of the football season. And then training camp began in the NFL. And that was the start of football season. And then now we have the Hall of Fame game tonight. So real live actual tackle football is happening tonight. So now this is the start of football season, and then training camp for college will begin this weekend, and so that'll be the start of football season. So I guess this is the the third one, right? This is the third start of football season tonight. Uh, excited. You get to watch Dwayne Haskins play quarterback tonight. How's that? You get to watch Dwayne Haskins uh, for the Steelers. To be honest with you, I have no idea who's the quarterback for the Cowboys now that Dak is out, although he wasn't going to play in this game anyway. Uh, but yeah, you get to watch Dwayne Haskins play quarterback tonight for the Steelers. So there you go. There's something to be happy about. My name is Michael Borky. I'm glad that you guys are with me on this absolutely beautiful, JP, you're right, man, beautiful August 5th, Thursday morning. It feels like that up here. Uh, so you're on the coast. It feels like that here in Madison as well. Every summer, we get that little... It's almost like Mother Nature saying, hey, guys, like fall's coming. Here's what it feels like. You remember this? And then it's going to be like 105 here in a couple of days and summer is going to go back to being hell. But we're get, we got that tease yesterday and we're getting that tease today and we get it every summer where it just feels like a football Saturday morning, you know, where it's just a little cool. And and it's comfortable drinking coffee outside, which usually this time of year it's not. And th- there's just like a little haze, you know, like the marine layer that you get in California. There's like that little haze and, and it's just a little cool in the morning and you get reminded that football season's almost here. That is the kind of weather that we've got going on outside right now. Enjoy it because like I said, a heat wave's coming. It's going to be really hot here, I think starting tomorrow or so for the next few days. But we get that teaser. We've got that teaser that we always get going on uh, right now. Wayne, good morning, man. Glad to see you. Will, happy Sunday. (laughs) Uh, 142 and growing. Yeah, we're at 142 on the YouTube channel. So subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're a first-time watcher or listener. Subscribe on YouTube. Just Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y. You'll never hear it again, I promise. Um, Yeah, well, actually... uh, there is a, uh, I'll tell this story at a later date, actually, but apparently, apparently, there are Borkies that live in Mississippi. Now, none of them have that last name anymore through marriage and all that stuff, but people that I am directly related to live in Mississippi through, you know, cousins and, and all that stuff. But a listener of the radio show a long time ago 
sent me a uh, uh, like a family. I don't know what you call it. It wasn't a tree. It was like documents, basically, where his I think it was his grandma had the maiden name Borky or something like that. So it, it triggered a, me- a memory for him and he sent me some documents. And so my family a long time ago is from Ohio and Pennsylvania. That's where these, the, the Borkies that I'm a direct descendant of live currently. Uh, but apparently they, after they moved to the United States and Borky was spelt differently when they immigrated here, you know, forever ago, uh, apparently some of them broke off and moved here. And I had no idea. Nobody in my family had any idea, but the documents, they can all be traced back to the same place. It was the coolest thing ever. A listener sent it to me. It was awesome. Um, so maybe you will hear it again. Maybe you know some of those people. I think they were in Grenada. Uh, so yeah, there's your random thing about me you didn't care about on this Thursday morning. But yeah, Michael Borky on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, follow on Twitter and Facebook under the same name. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, Mike in the morning, We'll turn up results wherever you get them and subscribe there so you do not uh, miss an episode of this and you won't miss any of the weekend content as well. So, typical August morning in uh, in Byron, warm and steamy. I'm not that far from where you are, though. It felt nice to me this morning, man, especially yesterday morning was really, really nice. Apparently, in North Mississippi right now, it's in the 60s. I, I my phone is telling me it's 70 degrees outside. That, that is a fall, fall morning, at least what it's supposed to be. Will's watching from Eastern North Carolina. He said, it's hot here, raining yesterday and cool, but the sun is back with a vengeance today. That's a shame. That's a shame. All right. So, Hall of Fame game tonight. I'll be watching. I'll watch every second of it. Even the guys that are going to be doing something else. Here in a few weeks, all the way down to the fourth quarter, I'll watch every second of it. Uh, There is that story uh, coming out of Cowboys camp now about Dak Prescott. Now, I did see some headlines that were like Dak's injury keeping him out of the Hall of Fame game. And good on Mike McCarthy for correcting it because Dak Prescott was never going to play in this game. He could have been fully healthy or whatever. Uh, He wasn't going to play tonight. So those headlines were, were bizarre to me. Uh, Dak going to miss Hall of Fame game. Well, he was always going to miss the Hall of Fame game. You thought coming off of an injury, they were going to play their starting quarterback in the extra preseason game they have to play. Uh, 0% chance that was ever going to happen. But that injury is... There's something going on here. And I, I hope it's... I hope it's just fatigue, him getting back into shape or whatever. But he's got an injury. A, a shoulder injury that is now kind of sidelining him from camp. So here's some quotes from Mike McCarthy. He's, quote, taken a step back in his return from that shoulder strain. said, we're being more conservative with his timetable. Uh, this is a couple days ago. He didn't throw then. Uh, he obviously will not play in the Hall of Fame game, although he was never going to play in the Hall of Fame game. The team is, quote, trying to avoid it becoming something bigger. We've taken a step back. We feel the same about the type of injury. After research and looking at it, we don't want this to turn into something big or being a little more conservative with the rehab. Uh, Hopefully it's nothing. I mean, you know, he said that 
they're just being conservative, which is absolutely the right thing to do. It's not like Dak Prescott needs training camp, you know? I mean, the season's five weeks away or whatever it is. He doesn't necessarily need to be practicing right now. You know, it's just not necessary for for him at the moment. Um, But that's concerning. And I hope it's it's just me overthinking it, hearing some quotes and watching him sit out of practice because – I mean, hell, in the NFL, guys, every four days, veterans just get the day off. They just they don't have to practice. They, they give them the day off because training camp's a bit of a grind, and it's mostly to determine the final roster spots. You know, at this point, these guys are professionals. There's very little scheme implementation that needs to go down. It's mostly just getting in shape, but the guys are port in shape and stuff like that. So they let veterans – take days off. It's like every four days or something like that. Veterans don't have to practice. Uh, so it's not nothing to raise an alarm about right now. But, you know, I saw that and I was a little concerned. If I were a Cowboys fan, I'd be concerned about, you know, conservative with the rehab. We were told that it was just kind of a, you know, tweak and he'll be fine. And now suddenly you're using the phrase step back rehab, that kind of stuff. I don't know. It, it would concern me for sure. We wouldn't have seen him tonight anyway. And, yes, yeah, soft inju- uh, tissue injury originally. Um, I, I would be concerned. I, I would uh, if I were a Cowboys fan. And now uh, maybe next week we'll get videos of him at, at practice slinging the ball around and it's no problem. But um, I don't know. It's just definitely something to keep an eye on. It's a storyline they will talk about tonight. Uh, but he's – Again, he wouldn't have been playing tonight anyway. He doesn't need to play, but in a couple of quarters in a couple preseason games later on, just to you know get the competitive juices flowing before the season begins. He doesn't need the preseason. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill need the preseason, but we also didn't need to see this viral video that came out yesterday of Jameis Winston. And, um, oh, man. Okay, I'll show it to you. If you're listening in podcast form, you can find the video literally anywhere. It's of Jameis Winston running through, we called it the gauntlet in high school. I don't know what they call it, but watch Jameis here. (laughs) Oh, man. What does he do? Like, why is he even running through that anyway? So here's a spin zone. And again, if you're listening on the podcast, you can uh, you can find the video basically anywhere. But we call this the gauntlet. I, I don't know what they call it in the NFL. Uh, but it's that machine where they've got, you know, it's for running backs basically where you have to protect the football and run through a bunch of tackling dummies. And uh, everybody looks good running through it. All the running backs and the fullbacks and stuff are running through it. And for some reason, Jameis takes his shot and he gets truck sticked by the second pad in this thing, <laughs> how can somebody so athletic and, you know, joke about Jameis Winston all you want, but how can somebody uh, so athletic, because he is, all right, I mean, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He threw for 5,000 yards in the NFL. He is an exceptional athlete. He played baseball in college and did it really well. How can somebody so athletic like Jameis Winston so often Look like a newborn baby horse. 
<laughs> dummy run is uh, what Ryan is saying it's called. Okay. It's, yeah, I, I had no idea. Um, but <laughs> he looks like a newborn horse. Like, they they come out, right? And they're, like, on their, their knees, and they're trying to stand up. And when they do, they, like, step over and fall over again. That's what Jameis looks like so often. And he's, like, this elite-level athlete, and he looks like a baby horse. <laughs> Look at this video. Spin zone here, though. Spin zone. Drew Brees could never get through that. Like, he would not have been able to get through it, even looking as goofy as that. And and honestly, what what are you putting your quarterback through that for? I mean, are we really going to rely on Jameis to get us tough yards on third and three? I mean, come on. (laughs) What, What are you putting your quarterback in that thing for anyway? But yeah, spin zone. Drew Brees couldn't do that. At least James got through the thing. The his predecessor could never, and uh, his competition would have just broken the machine in half. Such a fascinating quarterback battle. Obviously, I've seen um, a lot of people that cover the team that have used the phrase that it's too close right now to, you know, name a leader or whatever. I guess yesterday James took the the first team reps, but that could certainly change today and. Um, this thing's going to drag out for a little while. Uh, and Nick Underhill, uh, who does an incredible job covering the Saints, said that Taysom has definitely improved, and uh, he's been charting all the passes, and they're virtually equal uh, right now. I have seen a lot of people, though, um, talk about other players in a Taysom Hill role. Uh, people do it with John Rice Plumley. I mean, to to use a local example, but like, Tommy Stevens was signed to to do the Taysom Hill thing, and other quarterbacks have been, you know, people talk about Tim Tebow. You know, Tebow could be the Taysom Hill of the Jags, and maybe he could, but so many people forget what kind of a physical freak Taysom Hill actually is. Like, like go look at his combine numbers. His measurables are insane. I mean, he's an incredible athlete. Uh, just not an NFL quarterback to me, but... uh People do, when they say things like, well, Plumlee could be Taysom Hill. No, he can't. No. Uh, the, the measurables aren't even close. Taysom Hill is significantly bigger, and if you are convinced that Plumlee is that much faster, well, go look at, again, look at Taysom Hill's combine numbers. I'll pull them up, actually, for you. Uh, he's special. He's really special. Um, he ran a four 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 had a 38-and-a-half vertical leap. That was Taysom Hill in the combine. A 4-4-4 and a 38-and-a-half vertical leap at his size. Uh, 6'2", 230. 6'2", 230, running a 4-4 and jumping at 38-and-a-half inches. That is a special, special athlete. And so at least a, a silver lining for New Orleans right now is if um, – if and when Jameis wins the job, they still have this offensive weapon that they can use in multiple ways. I've talked about them on the radio the last couple of days about how their receiver core is just largely completely unproven. I think I talked to you guys the other day about the fact that um, uh, I think Marquez Callaway can be productive, and I've talked myself into thinking that Marquez Callaway can be as productive as Michael Thomas. <laughs> and uh, I know how crazy that sounds, but I think he's got a lot of potential. I think Traquan Smith has some 
potential uh, anyway. I mean, there are some guys there that have proven that they can do it at that level, right? Just none of them consistently, none of them at a, at a high volume yet, but I really like Marquez Callaway. The silver lining for this team is Alvin Kamara catches the ball out of the backfield extremely well. He's a, a catching threat, no doubt. And then Taysom Hill. If he does not win the job, all joking aside, he's an incredible weapon. You can line him up at tight end. You can line him up in the backfield. You can have him take snaps and get short yardage. The same way Florida used the aforementioned Tim Tebow in college. He's extremely versatile. And so everybody's talking about how there's no wide receivers. There's no wide receivers. Well, no, there's there's not. Uh, it's a bad group right now of wide receivers, uh, at least unproven anyway. I heard somebody say that it's one of the worst in the NFL, if not the worst in the NFL. And it's hard to argue with that right now. But when you throw in Kamara and then when Taysom Hill takes over, weapon-wise, they're not as bad off as people think they are, at least at least not to me, but I mean, you see my background colors for a reason. It's kind of a Homer opinion, but you get the point. Is it really a battle, though, Bork? We know it's going to be Winston, right? It's got to be. Taysom puts the ball on the ground too consistently. Um, I mean, that's what I've always thought, right, is that they're going to give Taysom a fair shot because Sean Payton really respects him, and I think he deserves the opportunity. You know, he's He's been on the team for a few years. He's worked hard. He's accepted his role and performed really well in his role. But uh, he wants to try his hand at becoming the quarterback of the team. And if I were the coach, I would respect his desire and, and give him a shot. Uh, so I do think he's got a fair shot here, and I'm certainly okay with it. But I've always thought that the real quarterback was going to prevail here. You know, you, you've got a guy that played quarterback in college is a physical freak, but just didn't throw the football accurately and perform well from that perspective in college. And then he gets to the NFL and doesn't play quarterback at all, really, except for last year when Breeze got hurt and it did not look good last year at all. And now you've got a guy who he's competing against who has a 5,000-yard season, who has a Heisman Trophy, who's been a multi-year starter in the NFL. And it all wasn't pretty, but at least he has – that. Uh, so I've always thought that eventually Winston was going to be the guy. And I think Taysom is too valuable in his role to to shut him away from that. Drafting Ian Book kind of led, it should have led everybody to that line of thinking that once Taysom loses the job, it's not just going to be Jameis and Trevor Simeon that they brought in another quarterback because they're going to throw Taysom right back into the role that he was previously holding. All signs point to that. It feels like that's what's happening. They're just doing their due diligence and giving their respect to Taysom. But I, I'm with you. I've, I've always thought it was going to be that way. You also say Callaway and Harris can be productive if healthy. Year four for Traquan Smith. It's time to put up. And Troutman and Hill. Uh, we'll just see how much Breeze accuracy made Michael Thomas the player he is. Yeah, it's time for Troutman to step up and be a guy that you trade draft picks for. Definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, that video. I I mean, come on. <laughs> come on, Jameis. Yeah, you got to – just don't run through that thing again. All right, man? Just – 
Just don't run through that thing again. Oh man, that's our that's our quarterback. That's uh, that's our quarterback. Who that? Also, something bad yesterday that I saw this uh, from the SEC Network, and it's you know this this is what they do. I'm in the the content business. I should do more stuff like this, and I don't because I think it's kind of cheap. But uh, people do it, and I understand why they do it. The SEC Network doesn't have a whole lot to talk about right now, and so they engaged in the list season. And I like list season. It helps me with content, but mostly I like to just tell them that they're wrong. This is from the SEC Network. Last, I assume last night because I saw it last night. Uh, this is from the SEC Network. The top five SEC run games. Top five SEC run games via Gene Chizik. This was on the SEC Network yesterday. It has Georgia at number one, Texas A&M at number two, Alabama at number three, Auburn at number four, and Florida at number five. That is the top five SEC run games according to the SEC network. And I mean, again, I understand the content business. I know you do stuff like this to get people talking. Um, but this is just wrong. I mean, it's just inaccurate. If you're going to make a list, at least do it. At least do it right. But this is what the SEC Network does. I mean, Florida is only there because they're Florida, I suppose. I mean, Georgia is only there because they're Georgia, I guess. Because making a top five run games list and not including South Carolina, who has... I think the best running back in the SEC. He's on a terrible team, and so maybe it's an all-encompassing thing, but uh, he deserves the respect to be on this top five list, especially at least ahead of Florida. Uh, But Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing last year. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that at all. It's all about Kiffin and Matt Corral and throwing the football and the clipboard and Elijah Moore. But Ole Miss was the SEC's leading rushing team last year. And everybody is back. And that doesn't even make your top five run games in the league. I mean, that is that is the league's network. Not even giving any credit at all to its leading rushing team who returns everybody back. I just, I don't understand how they do this. I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, just look at this. I don't know. Just look at the stats or something, but that's so that when you do stuff like this and you don't include what could arguably be the best running back in the SEC, he at least deserves respect at South Carolina. The team is awful, but the, the kid's great. But the number one rushing offense in the SEC last year, that returns every running back. The quarterback, for whatever it's worth, he runs the ball well as well. And four offensive linemen, and the one that left is being replaced by a guy that has 26 Power 5 starts under his belt. And you're telling me that's not a top five running game in the SEC? That's what you're trying to tell me. You're telling me that Florida has a better running game than that? That Auburn, Tank Bigsby is great, but that Auburn has a better running game than that? That Georgia has a better running game than that? I think Texas A&M will be 
elite at running the football. I would be fine if they put A&M ahead of Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing last year. Spiller's great. They've got a good stable of backs. They return basically everybody on the offensive line. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with Alabama being there because it's Alabama and they're going to run the football well and they have elite level backs. But again, how can you make a list like this? How can you make a list like this and not include the the team that led the SEC in rushing and returns everybody? How can that not be included in the top five? And it's coming from the league's network. Like if this was just ESPN, like not the SEC network, but just ESPN, sure, whatever, or CBS or somebody like that, but this is the league's network. Everybody that talks on the SEC network should know everything about every team in the league. It's only 14 teams you have to follow. That's it. You should know everything about them. Everything about them. And the fact that you can just throw Florida up there, it's crazy. But this happens all the time. It's just lazy. Garrett says, I saw this too. What or how are they determining this? No Kentucky. and Kentucky. I mean, if you look at just the the numbers in production, Kentucky's got one of the best offensive backfields. I mean, you can make an argue that they're one of the better ones in college football. If you look at all the advanced metrics and beyond just yards per carry, which they're great at, rushing yards per game, really good at, like breaking tackles, yards after contact, stuff like that, Kentucky is elite. They And they've got a handful of backs that are all really good. And then the best name ever in Cavassier Smoke. I mean, he's part of a group of three that are really high level. Kentucky not being there is also a snub. You're right, Garrett. I mean, I, you should know everything about all of these teams. You should. Looking for clicks, JP says, do better SEC Network. You also suck at covering the best collegiate baseball league also. It's going to get better, too, with the addition of Texas, Um, truly. I mean, that'll really help. Uh, Really help. I think Oklahoma's been okay, too, right, in baseball? Not to Texas or most of the SEC's level, but it's not like they're going to come in and embarrass themselves like Missouri has. Uh, But, yeah, and and I fell for it. You know, I fell for the clickbait trap and the engagement trap. I fell for it. I did. Uh, I hate myself for it, but if you're going to make a list like this, do it right, especially if you're supposed to be promoting the league. I mean, right now, the SEC Network should be talking about a high-level running back that plays for South Carolina and Harris. The league's network should be talking about the league's leading rushing offense last year that returns everybody. And some mock drafts have Jerry and Elite finding a way, slipping into the back end of the first round. Maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't, but Ole Miss has at least two NFL backs, at least two, and can't even make a top five list. John says, look at the source. See, I like Gene Chizik personally. I think he's, you know, he seems like a good dude, and, you know, the things he posts on social media are are wholesome and and good, and But your job is 14 teams. That's it. That's it. Lance is almost never gets any respect. It's in their DNA. Uh, this one kind of baffled me, though, because current Ole Miss actually does get a lot of love. You know, 
Uh, I mean, Lane Kiffin was on Dan Lebitard and Dan Patrick yesterday. I mean, Dan Patrick's got a massive, massive audience. Hundreds of stations across the country. He is one of, if not the most respected person in this business because he's not driven by controversy. I, I love the way he approaches a show. He's got strong opinions. He does. But he doesn't manufacture them. He doesn't make stuff up just to fire people up. I think that's an awful strategy, and it doesn't lead to a loyal audience. I mean, you know, you can just stir stir shit up if you want. And yeah, maybe that helps you in the short term, but you're never going to establish any credibility, and eventually you're going to fail when you do stuff like that. And that's the strategy of most people in this business and other markets anyway. Uh, big cities, you know, these people that just say stuff, um, that just say stuff. And you hope it sticks, you know, just to get people mad. Dan Patrick's the opposite, which is why he has built such a large and dedicated following. And he's so respected. He had Lane Kiffin on yesterday just to talk. Levitard had Kiffin on just to talk. I mean, Matt Corral is the first team All-SEC quarterback. Well, Oxford was named the best college town in America yesterday. And it made a lot of people mad because, of course, it did. Um so in this era, in this atmosphere, Ole Miss is getting a lot of respect, I think. More people are paying attention to them than they did the last few years anyway. And the Hugh Freeze era mostly got attention because of other stuff, not football. So I was kind of baffled by this. And I'm ranting about a list. And I know what the purpose of it is, and I still fell into the trap. I miss highly questionable when his father, JP, says it's not the same. Um, you know, honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of of Levitard. I, I just respect his audience and, and what he's done. I just, I don't like that kind of a show. It's just not for me. And that's fine. It's not for everybody. But the, the talked about this with you guys the other day. The sports hipster, like, I'm too cool to talk about sports, so we'll just make fun of stuff in sports ha-ha, you don't get our humor kind of thing. That's just not for me, you know? Uh, I, I like people that actually talk about games and stuff like that. I don't like people that are too cool to to talk about sports, you know? It's frustrating. And there, there are people that cover college football that fit into that mold. Like, I've tried to listen to some podcasts that are done by college football writers, and, like, the way they talk about the sport is, is so condescending. It, it's... I don't know why you do that. The way they talk about sports fans is so condescending. I don't understand it. Um, you guys are nuts, and I love that. As a person in my position, I shouldn't talk down to you for being crazy and having crazy thoughts and being crazy about your team. Um, the, the Celtics thing. You guys remember that during the playoffs when Kyrie Irving stepped on the Celtics logo in a disrespectful way? And Boston fans got upset about that. And everybody in my business was making fun of Celtics fans, how stupid they were and get over yourselves. And a player stepping on your logo shouldn't make you mad because it's just a picture on a wooden floor and these people are crazy and all that stuff. People in, in my position, although with much bigger platforms than mine, were talking down to Celtics fans for being mad that a former player disrespected the, the logo like that. Yes, it's crazy. It's stupid. It's also sports and it's 
why I love it so much. Because we are passionate about things that don't affect us or shouldn't affect us emotionally at all, and yet watching a player step on my logo pisses me off. That is why we, people like me, exist. If it wasn't for the people that get mad at Kyrie stomping on the logo, you wouldn't have your your column in The Athletic and your podcast and your salary. You know, If it wasn't for people like that, this whole industry wouldn't exist. So when they get mad that Kyrie stepped on the logo and you're condescending towards them, that's your core audience right there that you're telling are stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. We know it's stupid, but I'm still mad. And I haven't even been a Pelicans fan that long. I adopted them when I moved to Jackson. That wasn't too terribly long ago. But Anthony Davis still has yet to just put like a thank you to New Orleans tweet out there. Why not? It doesn't affect me at all. I'm not even from the city. But the fans deserve that. Carmelo Anthony did it to Portland's fans. Just, hey, you know, I loved my two years in Portland. Renewed my energy in basketball. Thank you guys so much. That's all you got to do. Anthony Davis still hasn't done it. And so I think he's a bum. He should have asked out. He should have asked for a trade. Absolutely. But man, like the, they tried to pay you $240 million. $240 million is what they tried to pay you. And when you play them, you act like the, the way you do. You're a clown. Get out of here. It's irrational. Me feeling negative thoughts towards Anthony Davis is irrational. It, it's irrational. It's stupid. I've got my own stuff to deal with. I've got bills that I can't pay. I've got a beautiful wife and a beautiful young child. Like I've got more important stuff to worry about. But every time I see Anthony Davis, I get mad because I'm crazy. I'm a sports fan. It's what we're supposed to be. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, I've got a lot to do today, so sorry I'm going to wrap it up a little bit early. Uh, although my, my initial target for this thing was 30 minutes. Now I'm going over uh, 30 minutes uh every day, which will probably be the norm moving forward. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Forgive my rants this morning. Hope you guys uh, stick with me after all of that. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, if you like what you hear, like the video as well. That would uh, also help me a ton. Um, it's an algorithm thing. It just, it helps, apparently. I don't know really what I'm doing just yet. But anyway, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, and uh, I'll be back with you on the radio this afternoon. We talked to Keith Carter yesterday about uh, Texas and Oklahoma, COVID, that kind of stuff. We'll talk to John Cohen today, and then uh, we'll be talking to Jeremy McLean uh, soon as well. Uh, the idea was to have them three days in a row, so we'll see if it works out. But we'll talk to Cohen today. Uh, about you know what their approach is to all this stuff. Um, things are ever-evolving, but it sounds like, at least for now, the NFL's not doing it this way, but Keith Carter intimated today, or yesterday, that if a player has gotten the vaccine, they will not be tested. So that's at least the, the thought right now, and if that is the case going into the season, you don't have to worry about games getting forfeited. So that, that would be a good thing. So we'll see if Cohen echoes that tune today thank you guys for tuning in subscribe on youtube and um i'll uh, i'll talk to you this afternoon at three or tomorrow morning at eight y'all have a good one
Talk Mississippi Media Production.